it up. Let's dump this truck. Back it up, back it up. Let's dump this truck. 7 a.m. Hello and welcome to Bad Romance. I'm Jordan Searles. And I'm Bronwyn Isaac. And this week we're doing a really recent film that is, you know, requested by you and we aim to please. So 2019's Yesterday. So it's directed by Danny Boyle and it's written by Richard Curtis, who also, you know, he's written a lot of stuff, Four Weddings and a Funeral, um, the first Bridget Jones movie, you know, I think also Love Actually, About Time. Oh, he did Bridget Jones too, Bridget Jones, The Edge of Reason. But yeah, if you really, really liked like British rom-coms in the 90s or early 2000s, you know, you're probably a fan of Richard Curtis. He was a big fucking deal. I loved Richard Curtis. Uh, Watching this movie makes me think that Richard Curtis has really like lost his, I don't know what, what happened, or maybe they just didn't want him to be witty. I don't know what's going on, but this is not the Curtis, Richard Curtis that I know. Yeah. It doesn't have the same uh, kind of fast paced, snappy dialogue and or just like relationships that have the level of banter that some of his other movies have like in four weddings and a funeral we get to know these characters like their entire lives just by a couple hours that they spend at weddings we don't really know anything about the actual main characters in this movie Mm, yeah we do not and danny boyle um you know, he's he's directed a lot of different things. This may be the weirdest thing coming from him just because he he wrote, he directed Train Spotting, A Life Less Ordinary, The Beach, 28 Days Later, Slumdog Millionaire. Well, Slumdog Millionaire is probably like the closest in like the kind of like cheesiness. Right. Yeah, but it is very funny to watch this knowing it's coming from the guy who made train spotting. <laughs> like Himesh Patel, who is mostly, you know, just like a British actor who's on EastEnders, which is like a long running British show. And now he's been in like the aeronauts and tenant that movie that I guess if you went to go see it, you went to go to the movie theater during COVID. Wow. Um, do what you got to do, I guess. Uh, but yeah, he wasn't like super well known. It was just that like he could sing, and that's fine. And then there's Lily James, who is the more well known one. She was on Downton Abbey, and she played Cinderella in that Disney live action reboot. And she's been in some pretty good stuff. She's Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again, which we'll never do on this podcast unless it's an episode. Oh, baby about it. What? Yeah. Oh, I said Baby Driver. Oh yeah, Baby Driver. Um, it's going to be in that new Rebecca remake that's on Netflix, Little Woods, which is a really good... Oh, yeah, she's she makes a cameo on Little Woods and Sorry to Bother You. When Tessa Thompson speaks in her white voice in Sorry to Bother You, that's Lily James's voice. Oh, that's really funny. Yeah, so she's like, she's like cool. She's clearly the bigger star, so it's interesting that they're like build at the same it's interesting that they're built the same considering that she's the bigger star but it's also interesting that they're built the same because they don't write a character for her even though she's the better actor it's weird yeah she brings more emotionally but with far less 
I, it's not that I think he's a bad actor. I just think neither of their characters were actually written. Um, they just feel like placeholders inside of this plot concept. Yeah. So yesterday, I mean, it was pretty well advertised. So everybody kind of knows what yesterday is. There's like a blackout all around the world. And then when the lights come back on, everyone's forgotten the Beatles, Oasis, cigarettes, and (laughs) Coca-Cola. Those things are gone. Yeah, it's funny how random they are. It doesn't make sense at all. But yeah, that's the and and during that exact blackout, um, Jack, which is the name of Himesh's character, um, gets in a bike accident, and he he so he gets his a few of his teeth knocked out, like mild concussion. And then he wakes up and he finds out, you know, the lights went out and he's okay and et cetera. But he is apparently, at least at first we think, he's the only person who remembers the Beatles. Um, Now, the timing of this is serendipitous because he has been playing gigs for a long time. You know, he's playing small local gigs. And the movie opens up with him playing at this festival and it's like build up of this festival's really cool. And then we see that he's playing in a tent where there's like five people, there's like children playing, no one's listening to him. And Lily James is, I mean, I'll get into this later. <laughs> Their relationship is so weird to me, but Lily James is his professional doormat. Yes, exactly. She's just his roadie BFF person who like hypes him up. And she believes in him and she listened to the songs and he, after that gig, he's just like, I'm giving up. Like I've been playing for a long time. It's obvious that no one likes me. So I'm just going to give up. And then he gets in this accident. Yeah. He was going to like work full time at a grocery store and, you know, like start saving money and stuff. And then he gets into this accident. And so this movie is stupid. (laughs) Like I'm trying to like, you know, pace out this conversation like a normal episode is so hard because I just keep on wanting to be like, why even explain any of this? Because this is fucking stupid. I, for some reason, really hate this movie. And I I don't know why I hate this movie, but it's just so... Because, like, okay, so the girl is in love with him and he's too dense to know it. And that's, like, the central conflict. I mean, there's the whole, like, he starts writing the beat, he starts, like, singing the Beatles songs and passing them off on his own and becoming very famous and blah, blah, blah. That's the thing. But there's really no conflict there. He just keeps getting more famous. That's... Yeah, like, I thought... I, I was kind of actually hoping that with the music there would be... Because at first there's a few moments that hint at this that like people would respond to it differently because it's not the sixties, you know, and maybe like he wouldn't become famous and it would show that fame is yes, it's about talent, but it's also very arbitrary and it's about luck and time. But then he just becomes famous (laughs) and everybody thinks like, I thought that he would struggle for fame with the Beatles music and that would be interesting to me, but he didn't. No. Yeah, this movie isn't about, like, this movie isn't grounded in any form of reality, not even emotional reality, because, like, okay, everybody forgets the Beatles, 
then you know if they forgot it there was something that happened in the culture that meant that they didn't respond to it so the idea that he would just like start playing the music and everybody would just fucking dig it is just weird it should be that like he comes off weird and old-fashioned and he becomes like a kitschy thing but never like makes any money and then i don't know starts writing some shit that he doesn't think is brilliant and then that makes money or something like but none of that it's just like everybody loves the beatles they just didn't know, they just forgot that they loved the beatles and he had to remind them that they loved the beatles yeah like they none of them knew who the beatles were in their brains but apparently that cultural despite the fact that all this new music has still exists that cultural moment still didn't happen, so now it's happening. But that's not how music works. Music really progresses on itself. All the genres inter- interplay with each other when it comes to how music evolves and trends evolve. So regardless of, you know, anyone's view on the Beatles, for, for good or for bad, it wouldn't make sense for people to respond the same way to it now that they did then. <laughs> like... Yeah, like like, like that's a, that's a too. <laughs> oh my god, like the scene where he's like being chased in London. <laughs> like it's so chased in Liverpool, my mistake, in Liverpool. Because it's like who does that? Like it would be like one or two diligent people that are getting it on their phones and then everybody else is like waiting for the download, waiting for the share. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's very I kept thinking that there would be, he would be exposed somehow or something. Okay, so I mean, yeah, it was wild to me that like the whole scene that you see in the trailer of him going on James Corden and then James being like, "Oh, there are two guys here that that say that they wrote the songs." I can't believe that that was just him having a nightmare. I was so angry. I was waiting for that conflict, and then it just ended up being like. I was so angry too. I feel like this movie, like one of my main issues with it was everything works out for the characters. Like it feels like every time the con there's almost a conflict that's stressful or that adds interest to the movie, then it just pulls it back. It's like the movie is too in love with Jack um, to like have him actually go through anything. Like, Okay, yeah, we're supposed to feel bad for him for having that gig at the beginning, but I didn't because I'm a performer and I know what it's like to do shitty gigs and it sucks sometimes, but also like you move on. <laughs> like so that didn't I wasn't like, "Oh man, he deserves to be famous because he played for five people." I was like, "Oh, okay, that sucks." Um but it was just like the movie never fully went there. It it would it would just like almost get to a conflict. Even his conflict with his friend. Okay, I mean Sorry, I'm just jumping in because, like you said, <laughs> even that, it feels like it resolves so easy. Like, there's no ongoing tension. It's just, like, when things work out, then they work out. Oh, yeah. Like, when he decides that he's, like, in love with Lily James finally and their mutual friend Gavin is just, like, gets to find out about it, like, in the audience of the show and he just has to deal. And then he does deal and he stays at the show what (laughs) yeah that writing was ridiculous it's like we're supposed to believe that gavin was in love with lily also 
and he's just going to be okay immediately. Like, even if he decides to, quote, take the high road and not make a scene, he's not going to just be like, oh, yeah, it's cool. He's probably going to step out. He's probably going to be upset. He's Or he's going to withdraw. But he's not just going to be like, it's okay, guys. I'm happy for you. Hug. All right, that scene's over. Yeah, I mean, so this is about a guy named Jack. I don't know why this character needed to have this name. Also, his character's dad's name is, like, Jed. (laughs) I just, I don't know what that is. Because they're not American. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know what that is either. I don't, I don't know what, I don't know what to make of that. I don't know what to say of that. I just think that it's weird that his name is Jack. Also, just because this movie had an opportunity to, like, have the story about this, like, brown man, like, getting famous doing music, and you couldn't just let him have a brown name. You had to, like, give him this generic, like, name. Why? Well, yeah, I mean, I felt like the movie erased the fact that he was brown. Yeah, it's weird because, like, his parents are there. We get to know his parents and, like, we get to see him. But there's still this weird thing where, like, nobody notices. Like, he's the only, like, I think they're, um, the, the roadie who doesn't believe in time. That guy is, like, I think he's, like, half black or something. But then, like, everybody's white. Everybody's pale except for him. Yeah, and, everybody's British white, which is extra white. And it's just this weird thing, because, like, you know that Lily James has been in love with him since, like, like when they were, like, kids, and he's saying, like, Wonderwall for her, which, like, in this universe wouldn't even make any sense because Oasis doesn't exist anymore, but I guess she remembered Oasis at the end. She was like, oh, yeah, Oasis, that was a thing. Um, but, like, it's weird that... The way that she's obsessed with him is very... He's the only person that has no white in him. And she is just on him. Just, like, on his case. Just thirst. Thirsting after you for decades. Like, what? Like, just so much. I just found her to be so demanding. I feel weird saying that. uh, Fetishizing him? I just don't... I just think that the movie, like, didn't, like, consider, like, how much weirder she would come off. Because, like, I find her so strange. I I found both of them strange in their interactions with each other. Because, like, in one scene, she tells him, she's like, I've been waiting 20 years for you to make a move. And then he's like, I couldn't make a move when I was seven. And she goes, well, I've been waiting 10 years. And my response was, girl, you can make a move. What the fuck are you doing? (laughs) Right. Like you waited 10 years for what? Like for what? Like there's other dudes. You're cute. You can go date people. Just like, what is like, he's not even that interesting. That's the other thing. He's not interesting at all. He has no personality. Actually, his whole personality is he's the only person who remembers the Beatles. They don't give him anything. I was mad on behalf of the actor because I was like, you gave him nothing to work with. You just gave him a situation and give him a personality. You didn't like, even as a musician, he's a fraud. So we don't even have that to cling to. Like it's, and, and then she's like obsessed with him. And then he, and we're also supposed to believe that he didn't ever think she might have a crush on him when she's like volunteering to be his roadie. Come on, dude. 
this is a grown woman with a job. She's a teacher who will just like drive you the fuck around everywhere. That is wild. To yeah. Me. Yeah. Like she's just like willing to drive him places and tell him how good he is at music. And he acts shocked when she finally admits that she has feelings for him. And I won't lie, like, in the first scene where I saw them together, I just assumed they were a couple. But then I noticed that they never kissed or anything. And I was like, oh, weird. They have a kind of weird dynamic. And then it was supposed to be like, oh, they're just friends. And I was like, this is just a very weird relationship to me. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I know it's trying to be like we think about the Bridget Jones friend group, where those friend groups feel so, like, lived in and real that... I could believe that there are two people that love each other very much and think that they have two different relationships and they need to like line that up. But in here, it's like, there's nothing layered enough. The friendship, there's not a lot there. There's no density. So, I mean, why wouldn't they have talked about this already? Like what's between them? Right. Exactly. It's not like, like they hang out with another couple in like one or two scenes, but we don't really get to know the other couple that much. So it's not like there's a lot of things that are distracting them from having that conversation. And yeah, I think you're right. If if those characters were more developed and we knew them better, we might be able to, to believe that dynamic. Because that dynamic does happen, of course. Um, but we don't. So we don't know them. And we just know that she's doing all these things for him. And we're supposed to believe that he's somehow dense enough to not pick up on that. And she's somehow love-struck enough by this guy with no personality. It, yeah. Yeah, none of it none of it works. None of it goes together. Him getting famous is weird. Also because this whole arc is punctuated by how like Ed Sheeran feels about him at any given moment. I thought it was hilarious that this movie simultaneously feels like a love letter to the Beatles, basically saying the world would be much worse without the Beatles. Um, but also a weird long music video for Ed Sheeran. <laughs> Yeah, he, the fact that when Ed Sheeran's, like, phone rings and it's the shape of you, which means that every single time his phone rings in the movie, which is multiple, for a guy who's, like, not actually a main character, we're around so much when Ed Sheeran's phone is ringing, and then we have to hear, I'm in love with the shape of you, like, the stupidest song with just the worst beat, I don't... Why? I also thought that this would make me be interested in Ed Sheeran. I was like, oh, maybe I'll like find out that Ed Sheeran's really funny. But no, like I didn't dislike him. He was just kind of there to be like, wow, you're brilliant, dude. Let's do a songwriting competition. Okay, you won. All right, on to the next part of the movie where you just like skate by and there's no reason for viewers to be interested. Yeah, I mean, because they bring in Kate McKinnon to be his, like, manager, but Kate McKinnon doesn't really, like, cause any conflict. She just talks a lot of shit so that the movie can seem like it's smart about things. Yeah, I mean, Kate McKinnon was funny because she's Kate McKinnon, and I liked her character, but it felt like she was the only character that was funny. It's not that there's other characters that didn't have moments. There were moments, for sure, but... She's, like, consistently funny and bringing energy. It feels like this movie just is a flatlining because it doesn't have an arc of actual stakes. And then Kate McKinnon just comes in and is like, here's a joke. All right. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's it, really. Just, here's a joke. All right. And 
just nothing. There's just so there's so little to say about this movie. It's just like him. So much of it's just him trying to remember lyrics. Like his entire artistic process is trying to remember lyrics. And it's embarrassing, especially Eleanor Rigby, where he's just like walking around, walking into like clues from the, from the song's actual lyrics. Yeah, that that like that whole montage. I um and and there I thought going back to the James Corden and just the hoping that he would be exposed so that there would be some sort of actual arc or risk or stake. Um, there's these two characters and. The movie just shows them at random shots, this woman and this man. And, you know, the basically the presumption is that they know about the Beatles also because they're looking in this familiar way, right? But we don't know who they are or anything. And then finally at one of his big shows, at one of Jack's big shows, um, one of them has like a yellow submarine toy with them and they like hold it up and it gives him a panic attack when he was he's answering questions. So then he like goes backstage and then his roadie guy's like, hey, there's this, like, couple here, and they're super weird. They want to talk to you. Do you want me to get rid of them? Um, and Jack's like, no, no, it's fine. And um, they come in, and I'm like, oh, this is going to be the big confrontation. And they're like, you are singing the Beatles music. And he's like, yeah. And he's so relieved because he's been carrying the secret. And he's like, yeah, I know. I'm, you know, like, oh, I'm a fraud and just kind of like ready to be free. And they're like, no, it's great. We love it. We miss the Beatles. <laughs> like what? We're just happy about hearing the songs. And and then they like, like make fun of him a little bit for Hey Dude. Cause like, they were like, how could you make Hey Jude? Hey Dude. And he's just got this look in his, it's like it was Ed fucking Sheeran. It had nothing to do with me. Also, that was weird. The whole like changing Hey Jude to Hey Dude. And I say that it's weird, even though I did laugh and I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. And yeah, that plot, I didn't really, I mean, I guess, I guess they existed to do a bait and switch to make us nervous and then there's relief. But I was like, what a waste. Like that should have at least been some sort of confrontation. Like even if they didn't decide to try to expose him, they could have like called him out as an artist and been like, don't you feel like a fraud for not making your own work? Um, but they don't. They're just like, no, keep doing the covers, bud. <laughs> and, and, and the woman at one point says that the world would be infinitely worse without the Beatles. Um, which like... All right. I don't know. It was just so precious. It was, for, no, everything about this movie is precious. This movie basically posits that the world needs the Beatles music so much that it really doesn't matter who you're getting it from as long as you're getting the music because the music changed the world, man. And oh. like, but even though without the music, we don't have the Coca-Cola Corporation or, or cigarettes. So, I mean, okay. Yeah, it you know, it felt to me like they pitched the plot and because of the people involved, they're able to get this made, but they never really wrote the script. And then they're like, oh, shit, we need to write the script. OK, let's just like write the script real quick. Um, it feels like a first draft. Like, OK, let's just map out the bones of the script, but we haven't punched it up yet. Yeah, because it's just this guy who just. Like, you don't know anything about him. I don't know, like he has no personality. Like he's just in the situation reacting. There's no, 
And same with Lily. Like, she's boring. Like, <laughs> like they're both bore. I want to care. I genuinely do. But I, I do. I yeah. There's just there's just really nothing there. Like, there's not even really plot beats because it's just because so much of the movie is just him trying to remember songs, songs that already exist. So it's just kind of like watching the newsroom where like they're doing news that already happened. So they're just like, this is how the newsroom would have tackled this particular thing that's already happened in history. It's like this, it's like, what would it have been like for a guy to like come up with the Beatles lyrics, even though they already exist and live a life that's less interesting than the lives that the Beatles actually led. Like they were like, they were going, trying to figure out meditation. They were hanging out with monks. They were getting high everywhere. They were like, they were doing a bunch of stuff. And this guy does nothing except like be a nerd at home. Okay, that was my other thing is they don't even, he doesn't even hook up with one person. We're supposed to believe this guy did not have sex once on tour or did not get high or drunk. Or There's not even a scene where he's like at a party and he's like deciding not to like, it's weird that this movie is like, yes, you are the most famous songwriter in the world and there's no party scene. Because even if his whole thing is that he doesn't do it, it's just like, it's just basically him being stressed out that someone will find out that he's playing the Beatles music and then him fucking up with his like childhood friend who he doesn't really seem to have feelings for, but I guess feels pressured by. Because he's just like, oh, well, I always thought of you as my sister, but I guess now that you like me, uh yeah i'm in like what like are you that is exactly what happens (laughs) that is that is that is the movie yeah he doesn't like he becomes famous and then stays totally grounded like it was like the movie was afraid of there being like like a 15 minute stretch in the movie where he's a piece of shit. Like we couldn't even have that. Like I want to see him at least like do something. Like a lot of people didn't like that new um, Elle Fanning movie, Teen Spirit, where she just like goes on like an American Idol thing and like she wins and they're just like, no, it's too easy. And then it's just her doing covers. It's like, but that's fun. And, like, also she does, like, she has, like, temptations and stuff like that. She, like, flirts with boys. She, like, falls out with her mentor, falls back in with her mentor. Like, so people say that movie is boring, but, like, still more happens in Teen Spirit than happens in this movie. (laughs) Yeah, this, I, I just was like, you have a ridiculous premise, and there's so many things you could fill it in with to make it interesting, I don't know that they would make it like a a good, good movie, but it could be at least like an entertaining movie. I was when when I when you said that we were going to cover this, I was like, okay, I've been curious about this one. I mean, it's been advertised so much. Um, I was expecting it to I wasn't expecting it to be good, but I was expecting it to be more interesting than this, to have more to react to, to have more to to feel anything about (laughs) yeah i just hate it because of how like useless it is and also that fucking ending where he goes and he meets john lennon and in this universe john lennon never died and he just lived a normal life 
And, like, it's also very hard to tell if, like, does John Lennon know that the songs that he's singing were written by him? Like, like, does, is John Lennon, was he a musician before and then quit? Like, there's so much I have questions about. Like, what is the context of John Lennon? Is he the only one left? Is it never answered? Because I thought that when he went to visit John Lennon, we would find out either that this is almost like a parallel universe kind of glitch where John Lennon is not a musician actually. Um, or that he like gave up his music and he doesn't realize that it ever reached anyone. But neither of those questions are answered. And we don't know about any of the other members of the band. It's quite a big question mark to leave when the whole movie is about the Beatles and the whole movie is about the fact that Jack is playing their music. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, okay, John Lennon is just alive and is like, is that still his music? Or did Paul McCartney like write it? Where is Paul McCartney? Is it like a switcheroo where it's like he's dead and John Lennon is alive? Where is Ringo? This like, feels like one of those. This feels like a, a like a screenplay writing one hundred and one thing where the writers did not establish the rules of this fictional reality that they created, and so therefore, when they wrote the script it's disorienting because they didn't actually create the rules. They didn't actually flesh it out. And so with the Beatles themselves, we don't actually know if, yeah, if the Beatles, obviously the Beatles lives weren't the same, but like, were they ever playing shows? Like, what is this? Is this some sort of glitched reality where only Jack and these two other people remember the reality where the Beatles were famous? Like, never answered. Does John Lennon know that he's John Lennon? Right, exactly. And and it's like it doesn't like, how does matter. Like, how does he right, know why visited? How does he know like there's visited in the first place? He all he uh, like during the visit, he's just like, I think you're kind of crazy, man. But whatever, and he's just like this country, this this older man living on the countryside who's chill. And I guess he's just kind of like, oh, this Jack guy's weird, but whatever. And and it's just like this movie is two hours fucking long it has plenty of time to answer these questions because it has so many scenes where we're just hearing Beatles songs that we all know already that could have been replaced with actual plot and actual character development but it's not it's just like oh here's another shot of Jack in a bigger concert (laughs) and yeah now he's like yeah, I'm still going to release the album, but it's going to be all free because everyone needs the Beatles, man. And then Kate McKinnon gets upset because he's selling the music for free, but that never gets resolved. She just, like, chases him down and then eventually just, like, gets exhausted. But she's, like, chasing him for multiple scenes, and then that never ends up being anything. Yeah, it's again, it's, like, every conflict melts in the movie like him not realizing that his best friend likes him and then him like moving away to be famous like she ends up dropping everything to be with him when he confesses his love for her eventually you know it's like all of the conflicts just disappear there's no working through them there's no uh yeah there's no pain (laughs) and isn't there a whole like montage at the end even like further in the end where like you like see all their kids and like their house that they moved into. Did I imagine that? Yeah, no, there is a montage at the end of them, like in a house. I didn't see, I didn't remember seeing them having kids, but I think they probably did. 
I saw him teaching kids. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a montage of like them being happy and like, um, and it, it's also never addressed how the public reacts because basically this whole thing comes to a head when Jack on stage admits he's been playing the Beatles music, which again means nothing to anyone because they don't know who he's talking about. And then he puts, um, I'm, I actually don't remember what her character name is. So I'm pulling it. Do you remember her character name? Oh, her name's Ellie. Okay. Yeah. So he puts Ellie on the screen and basically, uh, confesses his love for her and admits to the whole world, and this is like a packed stadium, that he has been playing the Beatles music, and so he wants to give them music for free, but we never ever find out how the public responded to that. Like, what? that's such a big loose end. Unless I missed that somehow. But I didn't feel like I knew how the public responded. Like, did they just think that that was some funny thing he made up as an artist, and it's obviously him writing the music, he's just like creating these fake men, or did they feel like he was stealing from artists that they just hadn't heard of? I was so curious how his fans would respond to that. Well, I think that, like, we're only really given that audience and we're supposed to assume that, like, all of his fans reacted the same way the audience did, which was to be skeptical at first and then accept it and then just be happy because the music is out and the music is the power as the music is the power. Music is the power. It's like this this movie. Let me see how much money it costs to make. Because <laughs> sometimes I look at these budgets and I get angry. And I'm like, it says between twenty six and forty one point three million. So, like, it's definitely more than necessary. But for a movie like this now, it's not as much as it could be. Yeah, and box office was one hundred fifty three million. So. They made back a little money. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess the antidote is, <laughs> you already named the antidote. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> What's the antidote? That movie that I haven't seen with one of the fanning girls. Oh, I mean, no, like, I mean, that doesn't have to be it. Um, I mean... Mm-hmm. I don't know. Watch watch a better Richard Curtis movie, please. Yeah, or if people want to watch a Beatles thing, Across the Universe is corny, but it's still more interesting than this. Yeah, although we probably might end up having to do Across the Universe on this podcast sometime. But yeah, you know, in the meantime, sure. Yeah, I mean, we've suggested plenty of things we've covered. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, I don't have much more to say about this movie do you yeah i wish there was more to say except that like you know studios you don't have to waste your money on stuff like this you know we have a bunch of talented friends who have like more to say and i just think that you should use all of your money to give to my friends i agree make better movies because this is starting to get ridiculous like the the fact that this exists makes me kind of angry it is not even like because it's not even like a thing where like the teens really like it or something like it's not like i'm not just being a curmudgeonly adult like this is trash (laughs) yeah and i feel like even you know i feel like this is way more for the older generations honestly um 
And I think that older generations who really like the Beatles and maybe would watch it as a nostalgia thing would probably appreciate more character also. <laughs> like no yeah, one's winning, just like, okay. no one's winning from it not from it being underwritten. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's just so it could have been so much better. It it had all of the ingredients for it to be better. Like Danny Boyle has done romance before and it it's not my thing, but it's interesting. And you know, Richard Curtis is Richard fucking Curtis. Watching Four Weddings and a Funeral, I was just like, if I can write a like a rom com as like even close even like half as tight as this script is. Like, it's, like, he's a master, so I don't understand why he's like this now. I felt the same, similarly about About Time, although About Time is a better movie than this. I felt like there was something about his writing that had changed where, like, the run times to his stuff just seemed to, like, be longer or they feel longer. And it's starting to, like, have less juice. I mean, maybe it's the classic, like, the longer someone's away from struggle or proving themselves like the work suffers. Um, you know, it's not always true, but he's been around a while. He, he makes fine money. Like he just might not be as connected to wanting to say things. I don't know. But I mean, it also could just be like making a few bad things and he'll make some good stuff again. Yeah, hopefully. And, you know, I hope Hamesh, um, you know, very handsome man. I hope he, you know, pulls a Taylor Lautner and like, wait, you know, you do the movie and then you go to the acting class, you know, whatever you got to do. Yeah, definitely. I do love that. Like, that's like, I don't know if we're ever actually going to cover Twilight, but I always did find it interesting that like, he was like, no, like I realized that I needed to become a stronger actor between movies. Like not a lot of people admit that. <laughs> yeah, that's I respect that. A lot of people wouldn't admit that. I think even people who have a lot of training or experience, uh, many of the best will continue to actively pursue, you know, training and and just like deepen their skills. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. um, I'm Bronwyn Isaac. I'm Jordan Searles. Bye. Bye. Uh, Yeah.